Today we're going to continue our sermon series on growing as a disciple of Jesus. How many people think it's important to grow and mature? How many people have a lot of people in their life that never grow and mature? How does that make you feel? You realize that when you don't grow and mature, that is not only detrimental to your faith and the fruit you bear, but that's detrimental to the people around you. So what we're trying to get at the heart of in this sermon series is we're trying to focus on maturing in our faith. Because let me tell you something honestly. I've been following Jesus for 18, 19 years now. And there's people that I know. Dave, there's a bunch of static coming out of this monitor right here. There's people I know that are well into 20, 30s, 40, 50 years of following Jesus. Some people in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And just because you're older does not mean you get wiser. And just because you're older does not mean you grow in maturity. I know 60-year-old men who have the maturity of a 19-year-old. I know 50-year-old men that still have other people taking care of them. I know women who have the emotional maturity of 19-year-olds. And the reason is they said things such as, I am who I am. I'm real. I want to take I'm real, burn it up, throw it, put it in the suitcase and throw it in the child's river. I'm real. I say what I feel. You're rude and you have no friends. And it's not them, it's you. (laughs) This is not even, I don't know where I'm going. It's not part of my message. None of this is written down. I'm getting at, we need to grow up for our good, for the good of our family, for the good of our church, for the good of the nations, for the good of the world. And maturity brings life. And when you're a mature disciple of Jesus, you pray. You pray. And you pray for all people. I want to ask you, do you pray for people you don't like? Do you pray for the president if you don't like him? Do you pray for politicians? Do you pray for nations that worship other gods? Do you pray for your enemies? Do you pray for all people? If you don't, today is a beautiful time where we're going to hear from the scriptures and we can mature in that. If God has matured you in a way that you pray for all people, then you're learning prayer's goal. Today's text is about how we learn to pray gathered as God's people. How many people value personal prayer over public prayer with your church? How many people would say, if I asked you if personal prayer was more powerful than public prayer, it's honest, it's before the message so you can make your vote. You would say personal prayer is more important. What if I told you that public prayer is far more efficient in the prayer that we're told and informed to do as a church where two or more are gathered. When the body of Christ, the children of God, come together in one heart, one mind, and pray together, it is far more powerful than even your prayer just by yourself. Please let that sink in. When a church prays together, people are saved. 
When a church prays together, people are saved. You know, I remember when I first got saved, I shared 19 years old, I started going back to church. You know one of the things that stuck out to me the most? People were coming up to me and say, I've been praying for you. I was praying that you would be saved. I was praying that you would come to Jesus. I was praying that God would change your life. I was praying that God would call you in the ministry. I was praying for you. And it hit me. I said, praying for me? You took time out of your life to pray for my salvation? You took time to pray that I would walk in the way of Jesus? And you know that had a great impact on me? And you know that some of you in here, that the only reason you're here right now Because people in churches and small groups you didn't even know were praying for you. And God has drawn you back to his house. And God has made you alive in Christ. And God has saved you. That's the power of prayer. And please please hear that today. I know there's many in here. You're praying for your husband. You're praying for your wife. You're praying for your boyfriend. You're praying for your girlfriend. Praying for your father. You're praying for your stepfather. You're praying for your son. You're praying for your daughter. And I would tell you, Your prayers are going to be far more effective when we, as the body of Christ, gather to pray for them. (coughs) It's nuclear, it's atomic when the people of God come together to pray for the unsaved, to pray for the broken, to pray for the outcast, to pray for those who have departed from the faith. It is so powerful. And we're going to turn to 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 7 to learn about that today. If you could turn in your Bibles there. It says, first of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. (coughs) This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed, a preacher and an apostle. I am telling you the truth. I am not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. <clears throat> so let's start here. A church of mature disciples prays for all people. So what do you see in the first chapter of Timothy? First chapter of Timothy, he's talking about all doctrine. Guard your doctrine. Guard the gospel. Guard against false teachers. This is the true gospel that sinners are saved by grace. It's not law, something you can do to earn your salvation. We are sinners saved by grace. And Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. The second chapter, he's going to teach us how to act in public worship. How do you act when you come together? How do you do this? What should you do when you come together in public worship? And the first thing he says is you guys should be praying. We should be praying for all people. And I will say as the lead pastor, I have failed in this in a way. I need to lead us more in prayer, more in gathered prayer. So I take accountability for that. But I want you guys to see the importance of this. As I read it, I felt convicted and said, man, when's the last time we prayed for the nations? Man, when's the last time we prayed for our president? What is going on? And I as a leader take that. I take accountability for that. 
So you will notice in some of our future gatherings that we will be praying for our authorities, for our politicians, for the nations, for other nations, for our enemies, for people who believe in other gods. We will do that here at Restoration Road. <coughs> so what Paul is doing, he's urging. Now hear that word urging. If you're in a relationship and someone gives that call to action, you know it's a little more serious. It's not like Timothy. Ah, I think you maybe should pray. I don't know. It's work for me. It's like, you gotta pray. You have to pray for all people. You know, this makes me uncomfortable. Um, to pray for all people. Cause I don't like everyone. Can I get an amen? This makes me uncomfortable to pray for my kings and authorities because I don't like our politicians. Maybe all of them. But to be Christ-like, my prayers cannot be for only those people I have an affinity for. If your rotation in prayer is for your wife, your kids, and those two friends you like, you might not be praying for all people. Paul gives four categories here. He says petitions and supplications. I want you to think of these categories all as prayer and different aspects or elements of prayer. Petitions or supplications. That can be categorized as a request made to God for a particularly for other people. That's a petition or supplication. Intercession can be categorized as prayer for those in authority or politicians. If you're interceding or praying for a politician, you're interceding for them. Prayer is a generic term used to capture all those elements. And thanksgiving refers to prayers that communicate gratitude to God. I'm thankful for my life. You know, if you've been on Facebook, and I'm going there today, you realize that is no one thankful for America? Is it the worst place to live on earth? Really? Did you drive here free today? Are you gathering to worship the God you believe in today? Is it really that bad? Because I don't hear a lot of thanksgiving. Maybe you're praying in the prayer closet. I don't see it on Facebook, though. Definitely not on Twitter. So thanksgiving is part of our prayers. Like when the church comes together, how are we thanking God for our country, for the world, for our freedom, for the things that we've been given? How are we doing that as the body of Christ? And make sure, I'm not pointing out anyone in particular. Everyone's going through their Facebook posts in their mind. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular right now. I just felt the, felt the tremble in the force. The Apostle Paul urges Timothy that you have to pray for all people. Now, I know you guys, I know many of you personally, I know there's people in here who love Hillary Clinton and who hate Cl Hillary Clinton. I know there's people in here who love Donald Trump and hate Donald Trump. I know there's a few people that think about voting for Gary Johnson and don't know if they're go going to. I know my wife says she's writing in my name for president. I wouldn't take the job. Like, I know there's different political views in here. So I would say this, to ask Restoration Road to pray is to ask you to pray for, if I said right now, which we're going to do at the end of service, if I said we're going to pray for our President Barack Obama, that would make a lot of people uncomfortable in here. But if you knew that the scripture calls you to pray for your president, regardless of party, regardless if you believe in his political system, regardless if you believe in his ethics, it's Christ likes to pray for your president, that would eliminate 90% 
of the Facebook posts lately. Do you know that it is wrong to post something derogatory about, your, derogatory about your authority on Facebook? I can tell if you're praying for your president by your posts. And I'm talking about the body of Christ in New England and the world. I don't know what they're preaching in the pulpits, but I'll tell you right now, it says praise for your kings and authorities. And it's not Christ-like to bash anyone. Just because someone's on TV, just because someone's in a debate, they're an image bearer of God and you're not allowed to crush them with your words. Alex said I'm too serious today. I'm sorry. I was going to go to bed the other night. I had to do some assessments for two days. It was going to be a lot of work. I wanted to go to bed early. It was 9 o'clock. I got in the bed. I looked on the line real quick, and it said the debates were on. I had forgot. So I said, here we go. I ain't going to bed. I got to watch this. It was like Jersey Shore, no? It was like Jersey Shore. It was like Polly D was in the debate. Our culture has been so infatuated with reality TV, so infatuated with ourselves, so infatuated with love of self, that actually this reality TV culture has permeated every aspect of our culture to the point where now the presidential debates have come dramatic and loud. They're dramatic. There's nothing dignified about them. And I said to myself, this is unbelievable and I know I haven't posted anything political. I'm not a political posting guy. This week I will post something. What I don't want to do is tell you who to vote for because I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. And you shouldn't feel the pressure of if I don't vote like my pastor, I ain't righteous. Too many people do that. You know, all the posts, how could you vote for this person? They're like, this. listen, you go down the line, every person is messed up. And I'm being honest. You're not Christian if you vote for him. Who do I vote for? Jesus is, I can't vote for Jesus. I'm going to post something this week that helped give you guidance ethically, morally, and scripturally to cast your vote. Because I do believe I don't want to tell you who to vote for, but I do want to do something that helps you pastorally understand that's part of my responsibility as a lead pastor to post something, some guidelines to help you think through voting. So I will do that this week. So some people, why isn't Joey posting anything? First of all, it doesn't help anything. Has anyone noticed there's more crazy Facebook posts than ever and the world is crazier than ever? I'm going to get up something, post something, change everything. It doesn't change everything. It just makes me seem, man, I have messed up friends. I have 650 messed up friends. I say to myself, i got to ask myself some questions because I'm judged by my friends, right? You ever, anyone said that to himself? Like, maybe there's something wrong with me. Does everyone have these crazy friends? The reason I say this is, the first reason we pray for all people, this is the, st- the spiritual benefit we get for praying for all people, is that it causes you to live a quiet, godly, and peaceful life. We've been sold a lie that the louder you are, the more dramatic you are, the more Facebook posts you make, that you're going to actually change the world. But the scriptures teach that the more you pray, the quiet you are, the godly you are, that's actually far more effective than any upset Facebook post you can make. So let me give a few things I thought of. I want you guys to really, this to resonate here. <clears throat> when you post something on Facebook, the reason I'm telling this is because when, 
People who have quiet, prayerful, healthy lives, prayer lives, they're not loud and dramatic when it comes to everything. Because praying, when you pray for people, you actually love people. Now, I'm not talking about love call, makes you pray. I'm saying that I have trouble being irritated with everyone on planet Earth if I'm not praying for them. If I don't wake up and pray for my family, my church, myself, then I'm not even looking at them with the right lenses. They irritate me before they even get in the room. What are they wearing? Why are they walking like that? Why are they talking like that? Why are they late? I can't take it. If I don't pray for everyone individually, I'm not going to love anyone. I'm not going to care for anyone. So when you pray for people, you're far less dramatic. You're far less irritated. It produces a righteousness in you when you're in your prayer closet and we're praying as a church We're loving people. We're not irritating you. We're not mad at the government. We're not mad at the world. We're not mad at those who are are renting their apartments to us. We're not mad at them. We're not mad at our bosses. Because when you pray for them, you have different lenses and you see them through the lens of Christ. A prayerful life, when you pray for all people, will create a quiet nature and give you a quiet soul. So I want to ask you this. This is just Restoration Road. I'm talking about social media. Because when it comes to our government in this season, this text is perfect. So out of the abundance of the heart, the, someone posts, right? Is what you're going to post on social media, is it peaceful? Does it promote peace? Is what you're going to post on social media, is it godly? Is what you're going to post dignified? I want us to think about this word dignified. Because we lost dignity in our culture. We've lost a serious manner in our culture. We've lost composure in our culture. We've lost a filter that is dignified. Is what you're going to post respectful? And when someone looks at your post, are they going to say, that's a person with a composed manner? Because when you are dignified, you reflect Christ. This is because coming together with other believers as the gathered body of Christ is infinitely more powerful than a thousand Facebook posts. One prayer with the saints of God changes things infinitely more than a million upset tweets. If we took all the time on Facebook, all the time on Twitter, all the time on Instagram, and all the time on Snapchat, I'm not on Snapchat, and we decided to intercede for all people during that time, do you realize how much that would change the world? Do you realize how much that would change our families? Do you realize how much that would change our church? You know, two years ago we took time and we repented as a church of not having a heart for the lost. And we prayed. And we praised at his body and we repented and we asked God to do mighty things. Do you know that we saw a surge in the next few months of unbelievers coming to Jesus. A surge. That's because we did something that was so powerful and so biblical that shook the heavens and actually we saw people saved. Do you know? You ever notice that when you're praying for someone, when you take time to pray for someone, that it blows your mind the things that happen after? Like I've been praying for, I have a list, I call it the hit list, of unsaved friends that want to come to Jesus. I've literally been praying for someone and they've called me on the phone exact time I'm praying for them. 
multiple times. I prayed for someone I haven't seen for a year and a half. And I'll forget about it. And three weeks later, I'll see him walk through the door and I'll say, what are you doing here? I say, oh, I pray for you. Prayer is so much more powerful than us being loud and dramatic. Prayer changes things. And the big thing, so there's two things that are going to drive why we pray for all people. First, it's going to give you a quiet life, and you're going to see people differently, and you're going to love people differently. Second, we pray to see people saved. There's a beautiful thing this text says here. I don't know if you guys caught it. It said, God desires that all people are saved. I hope you understand in the culture at Restoration Road what saved mean and what you're being saved from. It says something so powerful. It preaches the gospel. I want to read it again to you here. Hear this. Please, for him who has an ear, hear this. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. What is Paul telling Timothy and what do we need to grow in there? In a pluralistic society that teaches you that you can craft God in your own image, you can believe in God, you can believe in God's, whatever you choose to make your God, Don't even believe in a God at all. It is hard to feel an urgency to pray for people to be saved. Because if you just went by culture, not by the Bible, and not by Jesus, you would think as long as someone finds inner peace and believes in whatever they want to believe, that they'll be okay with God on Judgment Day. What creates urgency in prayer is that you understand there's only one mediator (coughs) between God and man, Christ Jesus. There is no other way that people can approach God unless it's through Jesus. Do you guys hear that? If there's anything I need you to hear in my pastoral ministry, when I lay down the rest, is that there's no other way. There are billions of people who think they're praying to God right now, and he's not even hearing their prayers because they're not praying through Jesus. So if you're teaching people just to pray with no access through the cross, they have dead prayers and they're wasting their life. That's how urgent this is. He's saying there's one mediator, Timothy. They need to know this. And if you don't feel the way for your family, friends, for this town, for the cities, that there are billions and millions of people across the globe who do not understand that truth, then you're not going to pray for all people. You're going to wake up and worry about your schedule for the day rather than the millions of people who, if they stand before God today, will have no pardon for the sin because they have not put their faith in Jesus. Do you guys feel that? 80% of puppets won't preach that. They won't preach that. But know what? On Judgment Day, it's not going to matter who likes you. It's going to matter if they knew the truth of the one mediator. Can I get an amen on that? You've got to wake up with the burden. Paul said, I wake up with such a burden on my chest every day. A burden for my people because they have denied Jesus. And they was the Jewish people. They believed in one God. They were monotheistic. They went to the temple every Sunday. If you looked at them, you'd say, these are the most religious people on earth. He said, they have denied Jesus, and that weight bothers me every day, and that's why I never cease. 
to pray? Is your mother, does she believe in Jesus? Does your sister, has she put her faith in Christ as your brother? When you feel the weight of lostness, when you feel the weight that many people won't receive the ransom because they choose not to receive the free gift and not repent and follow Jesus, then you fall to your knees and you pray. And you pray. We cannot allow another day to go by that everyone we pass on the tee, everyone we see at Fenway, everyone we see at the pass game, everyone we see at the pub, and realize that the most of them have not put their faith in Christ. May it drive us to pray for all people. A lot of the times we don't pray because we're just too busy. One of the best tactics of the enemy is to make us so busy that we don't even have time to pray for the lost because we put other things in priority. I challenge you. I call you. Clear out the schedule. Nothing matters more than the people you love and all people coming to the saving faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing matters more. When you take your last breath, you're not going to care about your house, your addition, your kitchen, your education, or your fitness. You're going to care about, did I share the gospel with them? I just want to share an encouraging story. Because the reason I urge you today to have that mentality is because God answers prayers. Because that weapon is so powerful that you will see people come to Jesus. It might take a year, it might take six months, it might take five years, it might take ten years, it might take fifteen years, it might take forty years. But you might see them come to saving faith. I want to share a story. I don't even know, is Jen in here? All right, she'll have to hear it on the podcast. <laughs> Jen's here, she was baptized in August. She came to the, when we were starting the church, we did something called Pig Fest. Who remembers Pig Fest? Who's fighting for it to come back? We, I said, we're just getting the pig, we're roasting. I had no idea what we were doing. We said, we're roasting the pig. Come over, we're starting the church. Let's do it. Jen showed up at that Pig Fest four years ago. Partying, enjoying life. I think she would say, not a believer in Jesus. Just Alicia and had invited her. She came. We prayed for her in small groups. Got to pray for Jen. We're praying for Jen. Praying that she comes to salvation. Four years later, Jen messaged me on Facebook. Joey, how do I follow Jesus? What do I do? What are my next steps if I want to follow Jesus? And I was able to walk her through that. And one of them was baptism. And she came and she was baptized. And she's grown in Christ. And at missional community the other night, she said to me, Joey, why the heck were you guys praying for me? What made you pray for me? I said, we liked you. She was Italian. And she was rowdy. Like, she was at Pig Fest, like, and I really felt like I just love people that come with that kind of joy. I was like, man, I like Jen. And she said her name was Jennifer with an A on Facebook. 
So I said, she's in. But the most important, we're called to pray for all people. So everyone who came for Pig Fest that day who was not a believer in Jesus, we prayed for them nonstop. We're praying. And me and Natalie sit at home and say, this is crazy. Someone totally unbelieving has come to faith. Is it crazy that Jen is in this church, baptized, sharing how God is changing her life, in the missional community, say, I can't even believe what's going on right now. When you pray for the lost, they're saved. When the church prays for the lost, they become saved. Danny, I prayed for about 18 years for Danny. Maybe 16, I don't know. I pray for every one of my friends from high school, still do to this day. Dennis, he didn't believe. Pray for him every day. It could take a year, it could take four years, it could take 16 years. But many times you will see God save the lost. I want you to have that kind of faith. So it drives you to your knees. And as a church, it causes us to pray together for the lost. Who in your heart right now is God bringing to your heart that I'm not giving up on them? I'm praying for them to come to salvation. I'm praying for them to experience the grace of God. Who is coming to your heart? Because for all those who come to the missional community, I want you to write on a card. We'll have some cards. Get a name. Write a card down. On Tuesday night, we're all going to gather, and we're going to pray for each one of those people on Tuesday night. We're going to pray for the lost. We're going to pray for their salvation. We're going to intercede after dinner. We're going to pray for the lost. We're going to stop one person from each person who shows up and pray for their salvation. And we're going to watch God do mighty things. Amen? I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. We're going to pray corporately. We don't usually do this. But Timothy's instructing us to do this. So once again, only if you're comfortable with the words. Here at Restoration Road, we never want you praying something you feel that you don't want to pray. Because I'm going to pray for Obama. And if someone has a problem in their heart, I will tell you right now it's something you repent of. But I want to make you do something uncomfortable if you're that uncomfortable. But I do ask you through this pair of this stuff that rubs you the wrong way to really analyze that in your heart. Because we're called to pray for our enemies. That's what separates us as Christians. Called to pray for all people. So if you just repeat after me. Heavenly Father. We thank you for the wonderful grace that you have shown all of us through your son Jesus. We repent of only praying for those that we have an affinity for. Teach us to pray for our politicians. Pray for our president. And pray for those who have been putting power over us. We understand that this is what pleases you and glorifies you. We ask you to bless our President Barack Obama. As he finishes these last few months in office. Help him to navigate this situation with Russia and Syria well. We pray for peace in this world and the salvation of all. 
Give us a heart like yours that desires that all people will be saved. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for praying with me, guys. Restoration Road. Let's be humble. Let's pray for all people. Let's pray for our politicians. Let's pray for the lost. And let's see Jesus do mighty things. Amen.